All right, welcome to Season 2, Episode 6 of Everyday Ecclesiology. I am Daniel Greenhall. And I'm Desiree Greenhall. And I have water in my mouth, and so you're going to have to hear me swallow. Sorry about that. I'll try and not do that into the microphone. Uh, our goal in this podcast is to explore what it looks like for the body that is the local church to build itself up in love. Um, we have three different segments. We just introduce ourselves, which is number one. Then we'll go over a little bit of what's going on in our lives. Sometimes that'll overlap with how we're actively serving within our local body. Sometimes that will just be, hey, here's kind of more information about who we are and how we're slogging through life together or plotting mm-hmm. through life together. That's a good word. Not like plotting with a T, P-L-O-D-D-I-N-G. So mm-hmm. like, like you slowly plod along. Yeah. Yep. Um, then we'll have what we're learning, which today is about thinking. That'll be a fun one, I think. <laughs> sorry um and then lastly we'll end up with a little bit of what we're reading which today is just a little bit unless desert has some more stuff that i don't know about Mm, i don't know all right so what's been uh what's been going on with us desiree wow these are long notes yeah because i actually wrote them all out instead of normally so on our notes i write out like i call it a show notes this is for the viewers not for you because you know this desiree yeah um i write out what i call like show notes so that we have like uh here's kind of the order that we're going in so we're not just rambling not that rambling podcasts are always bad, but that's not how we wanted to structure this one. Mm-hmm. And so lately, if we have like a catechism one that you guys have been listening to, I'll, I'll write out notes, but then I'll just under the what we're learning section, I'll say see catechism and then we'll flip over to that. But this actually has everything written out on our notes on our Google Doc. So yeah. it looks a little bit longer. Um, what we're doing. Let's see. There's been a lot of sickness. Yeah. Probably still hear that a little bit in my voice. Also, because I woke up not too long ago. Yeah. It seems like since... Timmy was a month old. There's been somebody sick. Yeah, there's been... And maybe a day break in between. Pretty much since I took my new job, I've had a little bit of sniffles. I don't know if maybe it's just the dust in the warehouse that I'm not used to. And that I have to just get used to or find some allergy medication or something that'll help. But it's been getting better. Still been dry in the morning, but that's also because we have to keep our house kind of dry so that we don't get mold growing. So it's just winter struggles, I think. Um. We change insurance. That's kind of boring adult stuff. We might have to buy a new dryer soon. There's just been a lot of... It's very noisy. Yeah, it's pretty loud. Thankfully, it's off. I don't remember. Did we have that on? Was that running for one of the podcasts we recorded a little while ago? For some reason, I, I thought I think the was. washer was. Yeah. But... If you heard a hum in the back of one of our podcasts, it's yeah. because it's right above us and it's really loud right now. The motor's starting to make some noise. It was free, so we're basically yep. just using it till it dies because it's not worth it to fix it. Yep. And using that time to save up so we're ready when the next one hits. Yep. Um, we had a fun date, (laughs) D-A-Y-T-E. I doubt anyone else uses that term. So that's uh, a term that I coined. I'm sure that somebody else has used it before in the history of the English language. But, um, basically we have a whole day where it's just a date. Mm -hmm. In this case, we had like almost two, which was pretty nice. Mm -hmm. Um, actually a full two, 48 hours. It was nice. I got to come home from work a little bit early and spent some time together, went and watched a movie, which was kind of nice. Um, what else did we do? Um, we made some fun food. Oh, yeah. Went shopping. I'm going to turn you down just a little bit more. Went shopping just by ourselves. We did yeah. like regular grocery shopping, but just the two of us. Yep. It was nice. Which was really exciting. Then have to cart kids around. Yeah. Or when we decided we wanted to like go get supper, we just got up, walked in the car. Yep. It was like 30 seconds from, hey, we're going to go to, oh, we're driving. Wow. Yep. Not getting kids together and putting them in the car. So that was pretty relaxing. Got to nap. Yeah. It was nice to nap. Without kids, without like, oh, we have to make sure that we get Timmy fed on time or anything. Nope, none of that. Um, 
and I've still been trying to build relationships with coworkers at work. That's something that I've been pressing into, and uh, I've had some really great opportunities to get to know them, uh, and not just, not just, hey, here's the gospel, but like, hey, I care about you, and I want to display that through chatting with you and spending time talking about what's going on in your life, which yeah. obviously there's only so much time for that at work because we're working, but on breaks and things, it's nice to get to chat with other people and be able to have an opportunity to display, hey, I actually care about you, even if that's just where it starts. So. And we're learning Spanish. Yes, we are learning Spanish. forgot about that. We've, I've got a 24-day streak on Duo, which means you're around 30. Yeah, today was 30. Yeah. Ah, look at that. I did guess it right. Um, and I also have premium, which I canceled. I remembered. Good. Yep. That was a little behind the scenes. I forgot to tell my <laughs> wife that. So um, that's, that's a, a, a small snippet of what's going on. All right. And we're back. Um, okay. Kiddo taken care of, and everything's good to go. So, jumping into what we're learning for the week, Desiree, what are we what are we chatting about today? Um, thinking carefully and critically. Yeah. I didn't want to say how to think because that's your next uh, point. <laughs> yep. Um, so today I wanted to chat a little bit about how I think, which is a very very broad category, Welcome and hopefully to that doesn't. Mind. Yeah, hopefully <laughs> that doesn't scare you away. Um, this this won't be all of how I think, but uh, a couple things that I've learned about thinking, which I'm not, uh, I'm not brilliant. I'm not a master thinker. I'm not great at parsing through problems, and I have flaws in my logic. However, these are some principles that I use to. Oops, you can probably hear my snapping and popping over here with my case. <laughs> um, these are some things that I use to think through issues or topics. So. Um, basically, my, my first point was no matter what you're spending time thinking about or working through or figuring out, it is very helpful to examine problems, questions, and statements from many angles. Mm-hmm. So this is something um, I was looking up because I remembered something that was told to me when I was younger, saying that we should walk circumspectly. But when I looked it up in scripture, the translation that um, that HCSB uses, we should walk not as fools, uh, 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 walk in wisdom, not as fools, but as wise. Oh, no, I should have put it in here. should have put it in the notes. But the word circumspectly wasn't there, but it was translated broadly as we should walk in wisdom, not in folly, mm. basically. Okay. So I'm not sure exactly about words behind it and what everything should mean if there is actually a word that meant circumspectly, meaning looking at it from many angles. So I didn't put it in. Um, I'm not basing this off of Scripture per se. I'm just, well, we'll get to why this is what it is. So first off, this is not a complete system of how to think, but more of a primer and a helpful tool to get you farther down the road of thinking carefully about things. Mm-hmm. Um, in general, we need to widen our perspective. This doesn't mean necessarily change what we believe, right. but it means widen our perspective of thinking. Um, I've been told this before, and indeed I'm sure many have heard this before, but this will be an explanation of a couple of ways to actually do that. This is a couple of ways that, like, you can practically, like, what it looks like to widen our gaze, widen our perspective. So mm-hmm. this is, so yes, that's good to widen our perspective, but if somebody just tells you, you need to widen your perspective, okay, that might be helpful, but if they don't tell you how to do that, that's what this is. Right, and I think very commonly, I know you made a caveat about that, but when people hear widen your perspective, they think be accept, they're thinking it means be accepting to more Correct. things, and that's which not is not what we're, we're saying. Yep, yeah. yep. Um, so this is spe- this is especially helpful when examining, for instance, a person's worldview, whether it be our own worldview or someone else's worldview. Um, I'm taking for granted that everyone knows what I mean when I say the word word 
worldview. Uh, if you don't, well, maybe we can cover that later. But that's, in short, how I look at the world and the way it works and the way things function within the world. I know that's, I'm using like the, the words the glasses within a sense. illustration? That can work. The pair of glasses that you're looking at the world. Yeah, the lens through which you the, view yeah. all of life. The way you interpret the things around you mm-hmm. would be another helpful and way. Different so, people wear different glasses. Yeah. Hopefully you guys have a good understanding of that. We can delve into that more later. But um, this is uh, th- these principles on thinking can be especially helpful when examining people's worldview. Um, it also, these couple of ways that I used to think help explain a little bit why I t- tend to shy away from like loving quotes or short statements. Like if you use all of these things when evaluating a statement or a quote, sometimes it's very hard to say, oh, is that quote actually stand on its own? Can it stand on its own and not be misinterpreted? Um, oh, from you shy away from you loving a correct. quote. I thought you meant like quotes about love. I'm like, what? No, no, no. This is uh, when I hear a quote. Mm-hmm. I try to examine it through all of these lenses to mm-hmm. see if it actually holds up and is true and if I would want to repeat it to someone else. Right. Because if I if I hear a quote and I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. But I think through it and I realize, oh, well, somebody else, I know I'm interpreting it through my own theology, but somebody mm-hmm. else might interpret it from a different point of view. And these words are not very clear in this quote, and they could take away some completely different meaning than I'm actually intending. So yeah. does this quote actually hold up in all different contexts? That's these couple of things that I examine things through um, will help explain why I don't typically love quotes as much as some other people do. That's not to say I don't use quotes, and that's not to say I don't like any of them. I just tend to shy away from them a little more than some other people, and mm-hmm. this will kind of explain why. Um, and not all of these helpful ways of thinking will be helpful in all situations, but each is helpful kind of in its own right or in its own way. So then how should we think? What's the first thing? Think consistently. Mm-hmm. And this is maybe a broad, very broad brush that'll stem a few more of the things that come later. Everything might fall under this heading. You could break it down different ways, but this is an important point. And it's one of the quote unquote keys to thinking logically. I hate to say like, ooh, this is a secret that everybody knows. Here's the secret to doing this thing. Here's the key to doing this. Mm -hmm. But it is important. It is key. That is the word um, to thinking logically because logic is consistent and rules of logic always apply. Now, what else could I appeal to in saying that consistency is good and the consistency is what we should strive for? That's the next point. How God is always consistent. <laughs> yep. So we want to be consistent in no small part because God is consistent. God does not change. We've covered that in catechism. Now, the way in which God chooses to govern his people might change. That would get into dispensationalism a little bit. Mm-hmm. We're not We're not Israel. We know this. Hopefully you know that. If you differ on that, that's okay. We'll get there later. And mm-hmm. you can choose to disagree on that when we get there. But either way, b- b- even if you do say, well, I think we are Israel, you would likely still say that God is consistent. Very few b- solid believers would say that God is not consistent. God might do different things to different people at different times. God doesn't appear to all of us the same way he did to Moses. But that doesn't mean that God is not consistent. It might mean that we don't understand in what way God is consistent or the rules that are being applied consistently. Does I think I'm sense? just a little confused okay. because I I think maybe you need to define what you mean by consistently because I'm thinking, obviously, I don't think everything I think is true. 
Okay. So how can I still think consistently but change my stance on something that I learned from scripture what I've been believing is wrong so now I need to okay I think I understand your question I'm going to try to answer it and if I maybe just to find consistently and that can help me um unchanging so always think unchangingly um no I didn't say well I'll define think consistently later I'm getting there oh I read through them and I didn't see an answer to my question but that's okay okay Okay, I think your question will be answered when I explain some of the points I wrote down. Okay. I don't mean Thanks. I don't mean never change the way you think. I mean understand that. Uh, well, if you think it'll be answered, then just keep going. Yeah, I, I basically just meant that logic is consistent. We can't just throw out a rule of logic over here, but keep it in place over here. Okay. If something that makes sense. if something is a truth, it is a truth. It is not right. at this point not a truth. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'll get there. So think consistently. Um, however, and I said God is always consistent, but I put, however, there can be times when we quote unquote out logic God. Now, mm-hmm. be careful. I don't mean that God is wrong. I mean that we're using logic incorrectly. Right. Um, so I gave an example of this. Um, oh, yeah. I said just because God is always consistent doesn't mean that we understand in what way he is consistent. Just because we know that God is always just doesn't mean we always understand what it looks like to be just. Yeah. That would be one example. Um, Take, for example, God's sovereignty and man's responsibility. This is a a tension or perceived or actual. It is a tension that comes up in theological debates, but also in people's minds when they're trying to think through understanding of the sovereignty of God. Mm -hmm. Um, Scripture is clear that God is the sovereign one. We've talked about this in catechism. He always had planned. He he has always had planned what will happen for all things for all time. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, however, scripture is clear that that's not a full definition of sovereignty. Yeah. <laughs> uh, however, scripture is also clear that a man is held responsible for his own sin. So how can it be that nothing is outside of God's control, yet a man is held responsible for and must pay the penalty for his own sin? Those two things seem to logically not make sense together, right? Mm-hmm. However, this is an example of something missing in our logic. Yeah, it would seem that these two true that these two truths can't coexist. However, scripture is clear that both are true. So then, how do we answer when this tension is brought up? Well, okay, that's for another episode. Sorry to leave you hanging. (laughs) Without diving deeper in how to answer this, on one level, the answer is that just because I don't understand how two things can be consistent doesn't mean they aren't consistent. I don't want to limit logic to my understanding of how logic works or to my understanding of all the rules at play in thinking through an issue. This is especially helpful this point when like working through scripture. Now, if you're sure that this is what the passage means, however hard or weird or seemingly odd that is. Now that doesn't mean take one passage out of context, interpret it and say, well, this must be true without looking at the surrounding context. But if that, if a passage means a thing like these two truths, for example, then and we're sure that no scripture is clear that God is sovereign and no scripture is clear that we are held responsible for our own sin then the question is not well which one of those is wrong the question is how do these actually work together and are consistent with one another right because scripture is not wrong <laughs> correct and scripture doesn't contradict itself because scripture is consistent the word of God mm-hmm. and, and God, God is, is consistent there you go <laughs>
So God and how he exists and is, is not limited by or to my understanding. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I say, think consistently, but I also wanted to add in there this point that just because we don't understand how two things work together doesn't mean they can't. Now, yes, we can think through issues, but if you're stuck on something like this going, man, these two things just can't work together. Well, if scripture says they do, then they do. Don't limit scripture to your understanding. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Now, what I said there could be taken out of context, but hopefully you understand what I'm getting at there. So um, think consistently just means to, if you're saying that something is a truth, if you're taking a quote or a statement and you're putting it out there, ask yourself, is this actually always true? Like, will this apply um, in all places, all times, to all people? Yeah. Uh, Or is it just... Or and sometimes the true the statement that you're making or the statement that someone else is making is qualified by for believers in America in the 21st century the local church is the way that evangelism is done. If you're making a statement like that, then you already qualified it with confining the the date range, yeah. the time range, things like that. Which brings us beautifully into our next point. Yeah, I was going to say think chronologically. I don't mean think in order. I mean is the statement or of truth or the question or the problem, something that is bound by time. So I already delved into Israel, the church issues. Uh, I'm not sure if that's the issue that I brought up here, but broadly speaking, has the statement always been true? If someone's presenting something as truth Mm -hmm. and they don't say, oh, for this period of time, this is true. Um, let, Let me give, let me give a statement of truth that is bound by time and rightly so. We have a couch in our basement. Yeah. It's true. I'm sitting on it. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, technically we have a futon in our basement. So let me <laughs> let me let me make a statement of truth. We have a futon in our basement. I can make that statement. But let's say that two hundred years from now somebody listens to the podcast and hear me say and hears me say, I have a futon in my basement. And they come over here and say, Oh, no, there's no futon here. That guy's lying. Well, was I lying? No. When I said it, there was a futon in the basement. So when you're thinking through an issue, try to keep in mind, is this something that is bound by time? Now, even in that statement, I have, I didn't say I always will have, or that I always have had mm-hmm. a futon in the basement. I just said, I have a futon in the basement. So think think carefully about statements. When someone makes a statement, think about if they are qualifying it by time or if it should be qualified by time. And one of the biggest issues or one of the most easy things to point at and say, here, here's, here's where this applies, is um, the church has not always existed. However, right now, for you and me, for people listening to this podcast within um, the time it was recorded and probably for years after, although, you know, Lord come quickly. You never know. <laughs> yeah. Um, then we are in the church age, the age in which the church is the way that God, uh, how do I had a phrase, but I don't want to use that phrase. Um, the church is the way that believers interact with one another and share the gospel with the world and build one another up. That is the, what's the word? Establishment institution. Okay. That is the institution that we're in. We're not in, we're not Israelites. We're in the church. Mm-hmm. But there was a time and there will be a time again when the church is not that. And we can delve into that more later. But um, some things like that are bound by time. 
and even within other people's worldviews when they're making statements, when you're interacting with other people, it's helpful to think chronologically is, does this hold up as a truth for all time yeah. or not? Because that can make a big difference in what someone's saying. Mm-hmm. Um, will it continue to be true forever? Has it always been true? Is there a beginning and an expiration date? And if there is, would it be worth mentioning? So sometimes the that statement has an expiration date, but it's not actually pertinent to the conversation. So just because you realize an error in what someone's saying, try to get with the heart of what they're saying. Meaning just because I hear tiny errors in statements that people make all the time doesn't mean that I always need to correct them. Sometimes Desiree's smiling (laughs) because I do this to her sometimes and then I realize afterwards, oh, I probably didn't need to mention that. But sometimes I don't know where a conversation is going and I'm not sure if it's going to be pertinent later on, in which case it's helpful to add a quick aside. Oh, you mean this for this time or something like that. Um, hopefully this is not just people getting lost in my logic. (laughs) Um, but either way, sometimes it's not worth mentioning. Like if I'm on this podcast, like I am now, Mm -hmm. and I say, I have a futon in my basement. Nobody's, I think, going to need me to add all the caveats to that. Well, I have a futon in the basement since this date at this time for this reason. And only until this date, I don't need to add all of that for these purposes. However, there might be some instances where it's very helpful, especially when you're helping someone understand flaws in their worldview. That can be one one easy place where this is helpful. Um, for example, I put people who think the return of Christ must be soon because of how bad things are. This is a good example of thinking chronologically. I run into people sometimes, not literally, hopefully, <laughs> not usually, uh, that say, man, Christ has got to be coming soon because look at how bad the world is. And I'm thinking, okay, yeah, the world is pretty bad. The world is sinful. However, are we really worse than like Rome? Are we really worse than all of the civilizations in the past 2,000 years? Like, yeah, it's bad. We look around us and we see our circumstances and the bad stands out a lot more than the good. And yes, I do believe the world is getting worse and worse until the return of Christ. Some would disagree with me on that. N.D. Wilson, Doug Wilson, guys that I've read would disagree with me on that. They think the world is getting better and better. However, I think scripture is clear that the world is getting worse and worse until the return of Christ. Um, but either way, if they think, if, if they hold that worldview and they say, yes, the world is getting worse and worse. And now look, see how bad it is. Are they really thinking like historically and chronologically? I should have used historically instead of chronologically. But are they really thinking back through all of history and going, hmm, is our world right now actually worse, like objectively worse, not just more inconvenient to me, but worse than all of the civilizations since Christ first came? I think that's a very, very hard position to hold if you actually think about what you're saying when you say, well, Christ must be coming soon because of how bad everything is. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, well, and I, I'm not disagreeing with Christ possibly coming soon. I mean, I believe in the imminent return. Is that the right mm-hmm. word? Christ could come anytime. Yes. Mm-hmm. But I'm not I'm not basing that off, well, see, the world is worse than it was before. Well, yeah, the world's always going to get worse. He still could come at any time. Now there could be more things that they're that are playing into that. That's just one simple example. So that's that's one reason we want to think chronologically or historically. Does that make some sense? Mm-hmm. Um excuse me, just a second. Hopefully this doesn't creak. <clears throat> getting a little stuffy hopefully it doesn't make it out of the microphone too much (laughs) not literally make it onto the microphone but into the recording anyway um so we want to think um 
historically or chronologically, but also geographically. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean by that? Yeah. You want to take a crack at explaining it? No. Or reading my points? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, for example, people who think the return of Christ must be soon because of how bad people are around them. Yeah, I pulled the same example back in. Yeah. Because in addition to not thinking historically when that statement is made, they likely, not always, but oftentimes when I hear people make a statement like that, and I'm not just harping on people that make this statement. This is just a really easy example. Um, and they might have good reasons for making that statement. However, um, oftentimes when people say, oh, wow, look at how bad it is. Christ must be coming soon. Usually people, do they really think the world is the worst it has ever been? I already asked that question, but now I'm saying, do they really think that the world, the entire globe is worse than it has ever been? Or are they just basing this on some very local like within the U.S., maybe? Well, and even events. then, a super quick downfall can make it seem even worse yeah. than other places have been in the past, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Um, or are they really taking into account the moral state of the entire population of the world? Now, as, as an aside, I'm not making any commentary on what I actually believe about the signs of the times, as people say. I'm not making commentary on whether I agree or disagree with people thinking of the signs of the times. However, when if you are going to use that and you are going to think through things getting worse, broadly speaking, mm-hmm. are you actually thinking across the whole world or just, man, I can't believe abortion laws in the U.S., in our state? Because mm-hmm. that's very, very local. Yeah, that's bad if they're allowing people to murder babies. I get that. I'm on board with not killing people. I'm, I'm on board with that. However... That's not really a sign of the state of the entire world. Mm-hmm. It really is. Now, the, it's related to other things going on in the world. I'm not saying it's isolated. But when you take into account and say, wow, the world is so bad right now, make sure you're actually thinking about, is the entire world, are you actually looking at and taking in the big picture of, oh, is the world actually worse? How do I know? Based on what, based on what do I think that the world is worse? Just my perspective of like what other people say and I hear forthhand or is the, do I objectively think oh because of these this this and this this is how I know that the world is actually getting worse right so when you make a truth statement mm-hmm. make sure that you're considering the geographics of that yeah. truth statement is when it you, still true yeah when you make a broad sweeping statement make sure that it's actually accurate and not just an exaggeration whether whether it's an intentional or unintentional exaggeration think about it okay And then lastly, I said, think about the outcome. Um, This I didn't finish writing all my notes on, so it might be half-baked. I might have, should have microwaved it longer, but I'll give what I have so far. Um, Keep going. Okay. Um, So I said, think about the outcome, meaning, yeah, yeah, okay, I did finish this. Um, You're typing and it's distracting me because I can see No, 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 you're fine. I scrolled. Um, What is, like, the logical end of this statement. I had end in quotation marks. So where does this lead? Now I don't now I know that there is um, a logical fallacy called the slippery slope argument. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about if this is true, how will it actually be played out? What will it actually look like? So by end I don't mean slippery slope where this can lead, but by end I mean if this is put in place as a truth, what will that actually look like? like think realistically about what this actually means. Um, so if a person actually believes this statement or worldview 100% and lives consistently 
what will that actually look like? So mm-hmm. it's helping people to think about um, the, the practical implications. That's the better phrase. Right. Think about practical implications of if this is actually a truth. Now that can be on a good side and on a bad side. I'll start with the good. I didn't actually write this in here. Let's say you're reading scripture and you see, wow, in Ephesians, I'm pretty sure it's Ephesians 4. I can fact check this later. Um, when we are told that the thief no longer steal, but let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. And you realize, wow, the mark of a thief is not, I don't steal anymore. Are you fact checking me? Mm-hmm. Oh, thanks. The mark of a thief is not simply, oh, I don't steal anymore. All right, excuse me. I said that backwards. The mark of a thief is that he steals. But how do you know if someone is no longer a thief? What is this? What is the sign? I hate that word. I don't hate mm-hmm. that word. I don't want to use that word here. What What is the mark that says, oh, I can see actual change in this person's life? Is it simply they don't steal anymore? No. The mark is that the one who used to steal and take what was not his now works with his hands. He, he labors and takes what is his and gives to people who don't need it. So he gives away instead of taking. That is the mark of someone who is not a thief anymore. Mm-hmm. So now if I'm reading through that and I understand that, I'm like, oh, what does that mean for my life? What, what, if, I, if I put this in place, how will that affect things that I do in my life? Maybe, it, maybe it'll change my attitudes toward free things. doesn't mean, I'm not saying we can't take free things. Don't take what I'm saying out of context. I don't know if anyone <laughs> was, but that doesn't mean we don't take free things, but it might change how I look at free things. Now, it's not stealing if something's free, but it might even change how I view that. But it'll definitely change how I view like, oh, there's a penny on the ground. I'm not saying what it will actually look like, but we might even have that in the back of our mind when we see a penny and be like, oh, well, that, that does actually belong to someone. So is there a way that I could get this back? And it, maybe that change will result in three more seconds of, oh, is there a way for me to possibly get this back versus instantly going, oh, free penny, it's mine. Maybe that's the only change, but there can be lots of other aspects of life. And if we're thinking about, okay, I clearly understand scripture said this, I observed this in the text. I interpreted, okay, this is what it meant to the original readers. Mm -hmm. And now when I'm applying it to my life, what will that look like in lots and lots of different facets? What is the logical end of putting this in place? What are some changes that will result or what will this actually look like when put in place? So that's, that's a good example of um, thinking about the outcome. We should do this when we're um, reading scripture. We should think about what what it looks like for change in our life to actually take place. Okay. Mm-hmm. But what's what's a bad example of this? Um, this was an example I heard recently. Uh, it's not new to me. This is something we covered back in college. So I'm going to key off those days. But um, we talked about the nature of the nature of truth. What was the, um, epistemology? Okay. Uh, are the study of truth. Mm-hmm. Remember uh, Dr. Not Dr. Paul, Dr. Newman. Okay. Uh, we'd have anthropology, epistemology, hamartiology. That's not right. An- anthropology, epistemology, anthropology, methodology. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that now? Yeah. So EAM, mm-hmm. epistemology was the first key. Our, our epistemology is our view of truth, what we believe is true, from which flows our anthropology, what we believe about man, mm-hmm. and from that flows our methodology, specifically in this case in counseling. Mm-hmm. But the first the first uh, basis, the first foundation for what we actually do is what we believe about truth. So let's say that someone holds to 
truth not being an absolute, like there isn't, there isn't truth, basically, or that truth is something that is determined by each of us, right? Mm-hmm. So if someone holds to that, um, what are what are some of the logical things you're going to have to work through with that? Where will that lead? Well, for one, math doesn't work anymore. If there is no standard of truth, why does math have to work the same way every time? Yeah. That's just a very practical level. Like, if I can decide what's true, then cool. 2 plus 2 now equals 77. Why not? For me, it equals 77. For you, it might equal 4. That's no, fine for, for you. for me, it's 22. Okay. See, for you, it <laughs> equals 22, but for me, it equals 77. Who's right? Well, we both are. How does that work? It doesn't, if we actually think logically about this. That doesn't make any sense. Um, another way this will play out is, like, discipline, discipline of children. Like, if we have... If truth is relative, meaning what's true for me is true for me, what's true for you is true for you. And by the way, listeners, I'm not espousing this view. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll get to that in a minute. But what are some of the issues with that is, okay, what's true for me is true for me. So then what's true for my daughter is true for my daughter. How can I tell her she's ever doing anything wrong? You don't. What's, What's my basis for that? What's my basis for changing anything? about the way she acts. What's my basis for telling her that poo-poo goes in the potty? <laughs> oh dear. W- why should it? No, mom, poo-poo goes on the floor. Of course it does. And I couldn't tell her she was wrong if I actually believe that each person determines their own truth. Hmm. Now, this has obviously drastic implications because then people wouldn't believe scripture is true, God doesn't exist. And what if my truth says yours is a lie? That's pretty easy. Like, that's a that's a big hole in the argument. Now they could say, yeah, well, that's true for you, but not for me. Well, but it's not actually true. They don't know what they mean by the word true. Mm. So that's one of one example of thinking about, well, okay, if someone says to you, if you're chatting with someone and they say that truth is relative, where does that actually lead? How can you help them think through what does this look like in real life? I don't think you realize like the importance of there being an absolute standard of truth. That's That's on the bad side. The good side was you know, looking through scripture, seeing how we can apply things, how it can actually play out in our own lives. Does that make sense? Maybe I should go over what my points were. We want to think consistently, meaning we want to understand that logic is consistent. We want to think chronologically or historically, and we want to think geographically, and we want to think about the outcome, the how this will play out in our lives. I think I covered... Yeah. Everything I had down good. anyway. There are more lenses through which we can examine statements. There are more lenses through which we can examine worldviews. There are more lenses through which we can uh, think, um, if that makes sense. There are more lenses through which we can view um, conversations and words and statements and books and through which we can evaluate things. But those are a couple of them that I typically go to first because they're ones that usually very quickly point out um pros and cons like um uh good good and bad about statements and help me think through okay where is this person messing up or where am i messing up either way all right i think i better call it there before i ramble on forever (laughs) all right lastly what are we reading i'll go first since i have to take care of crying babies oh i didn't hear him i had my headphones on. yeah that's okay Three more minutes left. So. Okay. Um, I'm reading Trusting God by Jerry Bridges. I'm going through a Bible study with some ladies at church on that. So I'm up to chapter four now. Okay. And then I'm listening to Screw Tape Letters by C.S. Lewis. Oh, yeah. I forgot I had that one. Yep. 
I've been really enjoying it. Um, help, help, it's helped me consider how I've been tempted by things, not blaming the temptation for my sin, yep. um, but taking into account what is it that I'm tempted by, how can I avoid these temptations, how can I resist these temptations. Learning so that you better recognize a temptation when yeah. maybe you wouldn't have seen it as a temptation before. Yeah. Yep. yep. It doesn't mean that we're always going to delve into how the devil works. Right. <laughs> but there is appropriate and helpful knowledge of mm-hmm. how people fall into temptation and what is actually a temptation. Yep. Yeah. Um, I have been reading some articles about honor, like the concept of honor. Um, I want to put together an episode on that. I wanted that to be this episode, but it's a bigger yeah. and tougher undertaking than I anticipated, which is fine. I'm not giving up on it. That just means I want to make sure that I actually understand what I'm talking about before I share it on a forever recorded and retractable, but forever listened to a yeah. podcast. So yes, I can recant things, but that doesn't mean that people who listen are going to go and listen to where I recanted it. You don't want to lead it. anyone so, astray. Yep. I want to make sure that I'm actually speaking truth. Um, and I've thought through everything so I'm doing some more reading on that Um, I might I might share some things that I've been learning from articles during the what we're reading Um, not today but before I do the actual episode but um, that's most of the reading that I've been doing also daily bible reading mostly done daily sometimes I miss a day but I have to make it up but it's been nice doing the using the app that we use I just did a chord using the app that we use to see um, and chat about us reading at the same pace. It's kind of nice. Yeah. All right. That's mostly it. Sounds good. That's going to be it. So thank you for listening this week. Um, Hope you enjoyed and maybe learned a thing or two or learned how to learn a thing or two. (laughs) And until next time, keep serving or start serving within your local church. Bye. Bye.